0: Hey, howdy, hey, it's a great day today. I told my wife I would say it, and she said, you wouldn't. And then I said, oh, okay, I see how it is. Buenos dias, buenos dias. Thank you all for being here and for joining us this morning. Uh, we're excited. If you didn't know, we've got, a, obviously, a great service planned. It's going to be a good time together. But also, we are going to be meeting outside in the parking lot area for lunch afterwards. If you didn't bring your lunch... No sweat, no problem. I didn't bring my lunch either. Go pick it up and then come right back. We would love to be together with you. I think we can all admit, it's fun hanging out, but there's something about like sharing a meal together that just just brings people together. Am I right? Can I get an amen about meals? Thank you. Uh, Okay, until then, uh, we're going to kick off our service with some worship, with some songs of praise. So I want to ask you guys all to get on your feet.
1: Okay, someone say Buenos dias.
0: Buenos dias. Buenos
1: dias. Good morning, God bless you uh, today, and I just want you to take a minute, quiero que todos tomemos un minuto para preparar nuestro corazón, just to prepare your heart to receive the word today, and I want that you praise the Lord uh, in this morning, uh, and I have a question, what would you do if the king entered in this room? ¿Qué harías tú si el rey entrara en este lugar? Entonces, Jesus is in this place, uh, can we pray all together? Just stand up and just raise your hands to the Lord. Levanta tu mano al cielo en esta hora y vamos a orar todos juntos. Just claim to God that come and that you, Tom, uh, preaching today. Dear Lord, amado Dios, thank you for this day. Gracias por este día. Thank you for your presence. Gracias por tu presencia. For your love, por tu amor, and for your mercy, por tu misericordia. Come to this place and talk to us. Give freedom to our life. Try libertad nuestras vidas. We love you. We worship you, and we say that you are the king of LCC and you are the king of our life. Tú eres el Dios de LCC el Dios de nuestras vidas. We are in your hands, and we are preaching for Tom today. Use use his life, and that your Holy Spirit bring love, peace. And chain, heart and mind. In Jesus name, we all pray and we say, Amen.
2: Amen, yeah, have a seat. It's so good to be here. Um, <clears throat> I think that you can tell a lot about um, a people, a person individually, but also a culture, by, by what they take for granted. Um, and you can also then from there tell a lot about what they're taking for granted by like the things that that maybe they cheer they didn't expect to happen. My I, um, as as life has opened back up, I've had the pleasure of being on an airplane recently. But I was reminded of um, um, I've, I've taken a lot of flights in and out of um, uh, uh, one particular city uh, in in the world, which I'll, will remain nameless. Um, but but this, this one particular place, and there's something that fa- that's fascinating every time a plane lands in that city. And it's that about two-thirds of the passengers on the plane cheer for the landing of the plane. And I remember when, I, when this first happened, I looked around like, wait, have you been on flights where this didn't happen before? Like, <laughs> the, you, you know, was this, was this unexpected? Um, I thought this is what planes do. They go up, they come down, and, you know, it's pretty... You know, it's pretty rare when that doesn't happen, but, but they felt that, you know, I, and it wasn't just a one-time thing. Like I said, I've flown in and out of this city a lot, and every time we land in that city, people cheer for the, for the landing of the plane. And, and I, I thought, I, to this day, and being back on a plane, I was reminded of that, that there's certain things that we just expect to happen. Like, we, we just count on them taking place. Um, and, 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 you know, when we get on a plane, we sort of expect it's all those, those of us, I guess, if we don't expect it th- that to happen, we don't get on the plane in the first place, right? Um, <laughs> so I see that hand. Okay, so, <clears throat> but, but we're going to start a new series, okay? And we'll come, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this idea of, of, taking things for granted in a minute. But we're going to start a new series called By Faith, Okay? And I'm excited for this. this, is, this is, um, it's almost like we planned this perfectly. We're moving from doubt, where we've been over the last month or so, to faith. Okay? From doubt to faith. And what does it mean to, to, to live with faith? It's going to be a long stretch together. Um, we're actually going to be, be on this all fall and into the winter a little bit. Um, it's going to take us right up to the holidays. And it's hard to even think about right now, but, but the holidays will be here. And we'll still be talking about this topic of faith. We're focusing in on, on one chapter, really, of the Bible as a framework. It's Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, it lays out this, the, the story of, of God's people and how they responded by faith um, to, to God in different ways. And we're going to look at those stories one at a time and, and talk through them. But in this series, we're essentially going to ask two big questions. Two big questions. And the first one is just this. What is faith? Like, what is it? How do we understand it? Um, w- w- what is its essence? Like, how is it known? What is faith? Okay? And the second question we're going to ask is, how is faith lived? Okay? So if we come to an understanding of what faith is, how, what part of our life does it become? How do we do this? And, and we've got, we, as with anything, there's certain things that we assume. We, we make some assumptions. Um, and, and the first assumption that to just get out of the way is, that, is, this one, is this assumption, that faith includes a level of knowledge or understanding, an acknowledgment of some facts, an agreement with a certain set of, of facts. It, it's, faith assumes that we're saying reality is a certain way. I'm trusting, I'm taking for granted that, that a reality is a certain way, that, that things just are a certain way. But we're also going to assume, going into this, that it's more than just that. That faith isn't just uh, an agreement with a set of facts, that it goes beyond that. And that's why we're spending this time on it. That's why we're taking such a deliberate approach and spending months on this subject. Um, Because there's more to faith than just simply agreeing with certain things. And, and, and the author of Hebrews, and it's, it's an interesting um, book of the Bible. We're not 100% sure who the author is. And there's all kinds of, of scholars out there that will argue and debate who the author of Hebrews might be. Um, but it was clearly written to a Jewish audience, a, a, a audience with a, he, a, a background in the Hebrew scriptures. And, and so Hebrews 11 walks through it, chronicles the story of the development of faith um, from God through generation after generation with his people. And we're going to talk through those stories. And so today, we're going to jump in. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you have a Bible with you, um, I encourage you to turn there. We're going to be in a couple other places. So Hebrews 11, and then towards the end, we're going to look at Romans 1 uh, a little bit. But Hebrews 11 is where we're going to be uh, as a starting point for for every week for for the next several months. Um, And I'll also put it on on the screen for you if you're in the house or on the live stream. So, so Hebrews 11, it opens by saying this. Like it tells us right away, plays its cards. Here's what we're talking about. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It's a nice poetic line. It, it probably would go well like monogrammed on a towel hanging in your bathroom somewhere or, or, or cross-stitched on a pillow um, <clears throat> if, you, if you do such things. But, but, there, but faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. There's a lot of words in that sentence that, that, that would be helpful for us to unpack because it's giving us, a, a, the author is giving us a definition, right? This is what faith is. It's just what it is. So it, the, the word faith itself is an interesting Greek word. It actually, um, you know, we use it in, in English to refer to, like, lots of different things, but but, but in, in the Greek context, it really is this idea of of, of a persuasion, like, I, okay, so, so I'm persuaded by something. Like, I take something for granted as being true, okay? And when we do that, here's what we're doing. I'm convinced of this. We might interchange belief for it, but again, I think belief tends to water down the idea a little bit. So when we talk about faith, we're talking about something that, that, that we are persuaded by. Um, and, and so then, then, so the author of Hebrews says, that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. This assurance is a, like a firm place. Faith is the firm place. It's, it, it, the assurance, translated best, it's, it's, a, it's really also a fascinating Greek word, but I'll save you the trouble. It really just means like a firm place to stand. Like my footing here is solid, okay? So faith is, okay, this, this persuasion that I have that we call faith, it comes from being in a firm place. So it's a firm place in, of things that are hoped for. Now, here we really start to get messed up because when we talk about hope, we often talk about something that's like a wish, right? Like, what do you hope for? I, well, Well, I hope that this thing goes well for me. I hope that I can find a job, or I hope that my... You know, this, if I'm a younger person, that this 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 young lady I'm going to ask to go out with me will say yes, or whatever it is. I hope for it. We think of it like a wish, and that can corrupt even our thinking when we see hope in the Bible, right? Especially when we start to think of of God as sort of like our our genie, right? Like like what are the things you wish for, and God's there to grant your wishes, and that's that's really destructive. The the issue here, or the word here, hope isn't really, it's not a wish at all. It's actually an expectation, okay? So as you look at that again, now think about, think about it more as hope for as an expectation, okay? That our hope is an expectation of a future place, a future, an, a, a destination, something that will occur. So look at it again. Our persuasion, our faith is this, that we have a firm standing, in this ex- expected future, this, th- this expectation that, that the conditions that exist currently are not the end of the story. That that things will change. That, that that it's gonna like tomorrow really will be better. Okay. And that's where this begins. So it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, or our persuasion is that we have this firm place in an expectation of the future, and it's the conviction of things not seen. And conviction here is interesting as well, and and translators, different Bible translations do this different ways, but it's so fascinating here because the conviction of things not seen is actually like a legal term conviction, not conviction as in the sense of like, I'm convinced that I need to do something, but it's a conviction like there's charges against you and, and, like, it's found in the evidence that, yes, guilty as charged. That's fascinating. Because it's not just like, hey, I'm convinced of this. It's actually, here's the evidence. And the evidence says this is the way things are. But look what it says. The evidence says that it's things not seen. The evidence says that it's more than just what meets the eye. There's evidence, the author of Hebrews is arguing, there's evidence that that gives us more than just what what comes naturally to us it's more than just what's seen well that's that certainly is counterintuitive right that certainly runs contrary or against what we typically think of when it comes to evidence no, evidence is what I do see. Evidence is 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 what I can measure. Evidence is I, I compile the data, and, and, and the data is it has to be somehow measurable in the material, natural world. And the author of Hebrews says no. He, th- they're arguing the conviction, the, the case has been decided in court. And the case is this. We believe in what we don't see. We believe the opposite. So just in case, okay, in case, that we have any sort of, um, like, uh, misgivings here about what's going on, the author of Hebrews is laying it out perfectly. We're going to be talking about the supernatural here. We're going to be talking about things that go beyond what we would call, like, scientific evidence or data. That's where we start, okay? That's not just the author of Hebrews Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, in verse six, verses 6 and 7, he says, so, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we, were at, we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. He's, look, he's saying, like, there's the body and there's home with the Lord. Like, there's the physical world and there's this, this spiritual world. And, and there's this, this kind of lived tension between those things, right? But then verse 7, he says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to see that phrase again. We walk by faith, not by sight. He says, look, The the follower of Christ, the one who who follows Jesus, is we're we're actually, we take courage in this belief that we live by something that goes beyond what we just experience in the natural world. It's It's like the fundamental basic starting point for a belief in God in general. There's something, an entity, a person we would say who exists Beyond this physical world that we can touch and see and smell with our senses and measure with our instruments, there's something beyond that. And so, our first steps with faith—what is it? Faith. Well, we start with this: it's assurance and conviction. It's it it's it's that the, the past evidence has led me to a place of confidence. Now, here's the deal, right? And in, in this in this way, we're gonna just in this way. That's why, that's what we're talking about. I start with what we take for granted. Okay? Here's the thing in the church, in this church, but in the church at large, we take this for granted. This, what we experience, is not the end. It's not all that exists, it's not all that there is. There's more, there are things unseen. There's, there is reality that goes beyond what I experience in my daily temporal life. There's more to it, okay? That's the starting point. That's the assumption. That's what we take it for granted. That's what, like, even in this instance, like, we don't really clap for that because we either just accept it at face value or we reject it out of hand. It's just sort of like, well, that's the plane, and it's flying this way, and off we go, okay? So faith is assurance, and it's conviction. We live with with these things. The author goes on in Hebrews verse two. He says, for by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Their commendation, or some translations say their good report. They received a good report, through their faith So so he, he's going to say that, And this is, and this pivots to where Okay the rest of the chapter is going to be this thing okay The rest of Hebrews 11 Is going to be this journey Where we're going to look at the people of old What were they like commended for For what did they get a good report Okay What is the past that we can look back at With them And thus trust and anticipate A good future for us Okay What is it What is it so it's more than just like, like something that they, it, let me say it this way, back the tape up, okay? It's got to be more than just a small thing if this is the very thing that they receive their commendation for. It's got to be something significant. A common passage for a lot of us, Ephesians chapter 2, says this, and notice where faith comes in here. It says, for by, is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. We're his workmanship, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, not only is faith not this small thing, Paul writes in Ephesians that it's the thing, that faith is the way that we access God, it's the way that we're made right with him. We we trust, we, we are persuaded to, to trust in his grace. And it's by that that we're saved, that we, that we escape the consequence of our sin and the power of our sin. This is the thing. It's faith. And then there's this, all this stuff that comes after it, right? Like it's, it's faith so that none of us can go around and say we're better than any other because of the good works we do. But then there's this stuff that comes along with it in verse 10. But it doesn't end with just that It's not like we go like Sign me up for grace And now I'm out Right Sign me up for grace I'm going to go now Do what I want to do It's no, no, no there's, these, there's this good work That we were created for We trust in the grace of God we, we, we faith in the grace of God And by putting our faith In that grace It opens up something for us It opens up something for us Look at Hebrews chapter 11, again, just a couple verses down from where we started, but it says this, without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him, right? And so here's the deal, right? This next thing we learn about faith is this. It's the only path to God. We need to get this straight right at the outset of this series. We're gonna, again, we're going to be here for a while, but we need to get this straight. Without faith, if we want to say that there's some other path to God, we're not believing the God of the Bible who's revealed himself to us. We're believing a God of our own making. The God of the Scripture says that, that faith is the one way. It's the only path. It's by grace you have been saved. It's not through your works. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says that, that it's, it is literally, okay, it is literally the only thing that, way to please God. It's faith that pleases Him. So it's important, so important that it's the only thing. It's the only thing we can we can count on. You know, what comes just before Hebrews 11 is Hebrews 10, okay? And we don't want to go back here every week, but it's important for us to see this. Look at this. Just before what we've looked at in Hebrews chapter 11 in Hebrews chapter 10, the author writes says, he says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Do you hear that? The confidence, the assurance. Don't throw away your confidence with confidence which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Now look at verse 38 but my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls you see we oftentimes and this is this is it's difficult but we we can be confused we can get sort of um we can get sort of lost in the idea that 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 faith is like a binary thing it's it's i had it and I, now i don't or i didn't and now i do but but the author of hebrews seems to be saying something here right like, take courage in this, that you need to, you've got to persist in faith. It's, there, of course, there's a moment, of course, there's a, a point where I move from not putting my faith in God to putting my faith in God. But that's the first step I take, and not the last. And there's a persistence in it. There's a, there's a pushing forward into it. And there's even a warning that the author makes here, Right? If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we're not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve that. That faith. It if, again, of course, there's a point where we cross from from unbelief to belief, from no faith to faith. But but it's 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 the, what we're talking about in Hebrews chapter eleven. What we're talking about in this series is what does it mean to actually have faith in a way that is faithful what does it mean to have faith that pers- faith that produces this kind of courage to move forward again it's why we're going to take our time on this we don't want to we, we don't want to say it once and move on we really want to dwell here for a while <clears throat> I said we'd be in Romans one and here's we'll Say more, but, but in verse 16, Romans chapter 1, Paul writes this. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news, that Jesus is the good news. His, his life and death and burial and resurrection gives us good news, hope. For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, who, or that word belief there is the same word, everyone who faiths, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, like, it's not revealed just so that I can go, like, yep, got it, check, done. But it's revealed so that I'm, I can go, like, from faith to more faith. And then he actually quotes the Old Testament here and says, and says the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Did you get the action in that? We live by it. We live by faith. Faith is the way the righteous live. It's, it's, not just, it's not just an action that was once taken. It's like what the righteous do. Dogs bark. Most birds fly. I know some don't. But celebrities tweet, right? Teenagers snap. Do they still? I, they do. I'm just going to say they take it at face value. Um, someone with a microphone said it. Middle-aged men wear cargo shorts, right? Like the, the righteous, the righteous faith. It's it's what it's like it's like what we do. It's it's the way that we live. It's 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 the it's the steps that we take. It's not just like, yeah, I did that. We can never put faith in the past tense. So faith is a way to live. It's a, it's a place from which we operate. It invades every question that we're asking about life. It ought to inform every relationship that we have. How do I I trust God with what's right in front of me now? How do I do that? Faith is, it's acted upon, it's it's walked. Choose your verb, whatever it is you want to do, but it's more than just acknowledging facts. James writes in chapter two, he says that even the demons believe in Jesus, like, They they have some level of acceptance or acknowledgement of who God is. But that doesn't lead to righteousness. It's not, they don't have faithfulness. And that's what we're talking about here. It's why in, in the midst of everything else, like Jesus and the work that God does in us through Christ is not done the first time we say yes to him. It begins at that point. Whether we were tiny and said it for the first time or whether we we, we are nearing the end of our life and we're saying yes to God for the first time, it's, it's a first yes of many yeses. Remember Ephesians 2. God prepared this for those who have put their faith in God's grace. So how's it live? Let's... How do we live it? That's our kind of our second question. It's a second question for the series, but it's 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 the second question of of the morning as well. And I think the author of Hebrews he begins right like right in this right, verse three he says this by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So so God is playing in the world now. Here's I, I don't want to. I don't want to say, like, you know, that I'm I'm selling you a a false bill of goods here, right? Because I've said two things, and I hope that—not I hope—they're not contradictory, okay? Faith isn't just what we understand and believe in the facts, but faith does require a set of facts that we believe, that we acknowledge. Fair enough? It's not just that. It's it's not either or. It's both and. We believe— Like, we acknowledge certain things to be true, but that doesn't, itself, doesn't encapsulate everything that is faith. It doesn't doesn't contain it. There's more to faith than just that. And the author of Hebrews in this whole journey begins with page one of the Bible and says, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The first and most basic difference between a life of faith and a life without faith is this issue. Why do, what, are, what are we all doing here? Why are we here? <clears throat> so according to the, Hebrew, the author of Hebrews, faith begins with a choice about how we're going to explain some, one of the most basic questions of life. Why does anything exist? When I look at my world, how do I account for why it's all here? There's essentially, we can get into nitpicking the argument. There's essentially two poles on this, right? We can go one way or the other. We can say that everything that exists, exists just through natural causes. It's naturalism. That explains it, okay? I believe in our culture, most of us were probably familiar with these arguments. There was some mysterious action in the physical, maybe chemical, maybe whatever world Don't bother asking questions about what came before that. But like, but it just, boom, it exploded. And given enough time and opportunity, you get 4400 Cemetery Road and Life Community Church on Sunday morning, August 1st, right? Just give it enough time, and that happens. That's a natural explanation for why we're here, okay? Now, I'm not getting into, the purpose of this this morning is not to get into, like, how old is the earth, those kinds of things, but it is this question, we have the choice of believing that everything that occurred, occurred just sort of like naturally. Or we have the choice of believing what a big, broad category we call theism. This is the starting point. Acknowledging that there is, there is a God outside of this world who brought it to be. The mechanism that he used is not the concern of the author of Hebrews. Okay? Like how it happened is not in the text. Well, it is actually. Sorry, I need to take that, take that word those words back. He spoke it into being, okay? But he's, it's not a textbook on physics, is my point. It's not a textbook on those things here in Hebrew. But we have a choice to make. The beginning point of the walk of faith is answering this question. Is there a God who did this, or did it all just kind of happen? That's the, that's the first step. It's, it's the beginning of the march of faith. Why? Like, why? Why? who What's, why, does, why, does, why does anything exist and the author of Hebrews says we understand that the universe was created by the word of God and the word word there is like the truth of God that he just he made it be he just did it look it, that, I, w- I wasn't there I didn't see it. I haven't, they don't have grainy footage of it. Like, I don't, I don't have it. That's what makes it faith. That's where it begins. We can look at the world around us, and honestly, we can go pretty much one of two directions. We can thank the God who made us, who did this, or we can choose to come up with another explanation. Okay? We can choose that. It's a real choice for each of us. <clears throat> Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, in harmony with this. Look at what he says. This is to flesh this out a little bit more. He says, for the wrath of God. God's, wrath is a real thing, by the way. It's not just an Old Testament word. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay? So there's, this, there's truth. And then there's this effort of suppression that's going on, this effort to contain the truth. He says in verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them. It's plain to the ones who are trying to suppress it because God has shown it to them. How? Well, verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely these things, his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So these suppressors are without excuse. So when we go back to this image, right? We go back to this image. Paul writes and he says this. He goes, look. You can look at the world around you. And you can make a choice to move to the upper left. there. You can make that choice. You can say, meh, maybe, maybe not. You can say, I just don't see it. You can say whatever you want to say. You can move that direction. The, Paul argues that's a suppression of the truth. And here's the thing. It's, God's not real happy about it, verse 18. Like, this, if we miss this starting point, if we get this one wrong, if, if we want to write God out of the story for why we're here, there's almost no coming back from that. We can't come to the rest of God's story without first acknowledging that God is the first cause of these things, that it exists by him, through him, and for him. And not only that, Paul writes in Romans, but look at this. Not only that, but we can actually know something about his power and his divine nature simply by looking at the world around us. He keeps Going in verse 21. He says this for although these are the suppressors, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile or worthless, empty in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God, the God who is outside of the creation, for images resembling mortal man's and birds and animals and creeping things. You catch this? like." there's this pattern that emerges in us. This pattern that emerges. And the pattern is, when we begin to try to explain things away without God, when we begin to say, I'm not putting my faith in God, there's an exchange that takes place. See that word in verse 23? This exchange. And we we start to, to, to exchange or swap out the God who is real for a God of our own making. We're going to worship something, all of us. We're going to worship something. And so we just, we switch in and out. We switch, switch God out for something else. For, pick it, like material things, like materialism for you. Maybe. Sexual gratification. We swapped out God for the pleasure of sexual gratification. The praise of, of men. That that's the thing. That's the thing that makes life worth living. That's what it's all about. We swap. We exchange. We take the immortal God and push him aside, but something has to go in his place, and so we put it there. Maybe it's even something that we would say is, like, really virtuous. Maybe it's family. Family is good. It's not God. Maybe even in the church, it's serving or ministry becomes the thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to build this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to—in and of itself, it's not wrong. It's not God. See what we're capable of? And we all do it. We all do it. We either choose to acknowledge the God who is real, or we exchange him for a God of our own making. See, we're back in this either or. We're back in this either or. So how is faith lived? How is faith lived? Well, it begins with what we believe about the beginning. That's what the author of Hebrews says. We begin a life of faith. Now, this isn't like all that there is. Remember, there's more to the story. But it's essential to, a, to faith. It's essential to to. This assurance, this persuasion that that God is is real, that God is who the Bible tells us that He is, it begins by saying He did this. He's responsible for it. And there's a second thing. I think we we nurture or cultivate awe in our life because this is the deal, right? We stand here, I stand here and I talk to you about the creation of the world that everything that exists exists because God brought it into being, and none of us collapse when that plane lands. I don't. I take it for granted. Right? I just go like, okay. Hey, I've heard that. It was on the flannel graph when I was a kid. There's some cool internet videos my kids watch about it. Got it. We sort of lost the wonder of it. Haven't we? We've we've tried to explain it in ways that actually gets us to a place of not really even appreciating it any longer. I think we need to nurture it. We need to cultivate it. Not so long ago, <clears throat> well, actually, June 12th. <laughs> How long ago was that? June 12th, uh, there was an article published uh, in the Wall Street Journal written by Elizabeth Bernstein. It's fairly long, and I won't trouble you with all of it. But Elizabeth Bernstein, and she actually says, bear with me herself because this is a far-fetched idea. But she says, uh, the title of the article is, Why a Tree is the Friend We Need Right Now. Yes, I said you heard that right. Why a tree is the friend that we need right now. her argument is that at a point in time where we're all kind of lonely and we're all just sort of hurting and we're looking for something that's meaningful and big and important, the answer is go find yourself a tree. She encourages you to go talk to it. Sit with it. Share a drink with it. Literally, share your drink with it in the ground. Okay? Now look, There's something in here that really is more important than sort of the oddity of this. But I will say this, by all accounts, that's the textbook example in the 21st century of exchanging the God who is real for something like temporary, right? That the tree is my God. Well, it's my friend, but I go and I basically worship it. But this is all based on She's basing this on some research that was done, okay? Some research that was done. And I want you to bear with me. I'm just going to read a little bit of this. Um, Because I think, I'm, I'm confident, I am persuaded that this 21st century research is confirming what the Bible's telling us, okay? That's been a, a theme lately as we've talked about doubt and faith the the world and and the natural world is just catching up with what god's been telling us for centuries. So listen to this. It says she she writes this. She says trees provoke awe. It's awe is that emotional response to something vast that expands and challenges the way we see the world. It's the perfect antidote to the way we're feeling right now. It's a pathway to healing. Research shows that awe decreases stress, anxiety, and inflammation. It can quiet our mental chatter by deactivating our brain's default mode network, the area that is active when we're not doing anything, and that can get absorbed by worry and rumination. According to Dasher Keltner, a professor of psychology at the University of California, Berkeley, and faculty director of the university's Greater Good Science Center, who studies awe, Awe can improve our relationships, making us feel more supported by and more likely to help others, more compassionate and less greedy. A little awe goes a long way. Dr. Kellner recommends eight to ten minutes of awe a day. Although he says feeling awe even once a week is enough to start reaping benefits. I think they're telling you to go to church. <laughs> and research shows our capacity for awe builds over time. Get this? Ready? Each experience we have makes us more likely to notice additional opportunities for awe around us. She concludes, that is why you need a tree friend. Right? You don't need a tree friend. I don't need, I mean, look, I'm thankful for trees as part of God's creation that he put in place that reveal aspects of his eternal power and divine nature. I don't need a tree, friend. I need a savior, someone to rescue me. I'm going to call the the worship team down. We're going to sing again, and I'm just going to call you to it. I'm going to call you to awe. We're going to connect with the God who really is timeless. You know the thing about that tree? It might be older than you, and it might be here when you're gone, but here's the deal. It's not eternal. Through one process or another, it was planted in the ground. It's growing, and at some point, it will decay and probably burn. It will not outlast God. He made everything from nothing. He's what deserves our awe. The the research is catching up with what we know to be true. You and I need to connect with the eternal. We need to connect with God. It's the first step of faith, acknowledging that I wouldn't be here without him. And our step today is that we're going to give him the worship that he deserves. You don't have to worship in song, but come on, let's do it. There are other forms of worship I know. But this here's the deal. This is an opportunity for us to stand in awe of the God who is real, to thank him for making it all, and for making a way for us to experience him. And then we also get the benefit of the joy that it creates. psychological benefit that they're looking at trees for, we know all along. It's not there. The tree is just a stand-in. They they ought to be looking past the tree to the God who made the tree. They're getting a residual benefit of what he's done for all of us. Would you stand and worship with us? We want to worship the God who's real. We want to cultivate that awe. I'm going to pray real quick. God, <clears throat> I want to, to just start acknowledging you. You thank you. Thank you for not just being who you are, but for seeing fit to to make to create. Thank you for the the history of faithfulness that has come before us that leads us to this day. We want to worship you. We want to we want to know you. Would you give us a glimpse this morning just of who you are? God, not not out of manipulation or not out of compulsion, but because we want to know you. We want to acknowledge that you are everything that you claim to be. And it's real in our life. And so we bring you what we have. We bring you our voices. We bring you our hearts. And we pray that... um, that this morning our step of faith, that it would be pleasure to you. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen.
0: God, we, yes, <laughs> God, we are in awe of you in your goodness, in your glory, in your power. And God, you are here with us through the good times and the bad. We wanna acknowledge that. And God, we love you so much. And it's in your name that we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat for just a second.
3: Morning, everybody. This is Michaela Klein. Many of you know her. I don't know if all of you know her, but Michaela is getting ready uh, to go back on the mission field. She works with Crew, a uh, ministry uh, that used to be known as Campus Crusade for Christ, and now it's Crew. And um, after a long hiatus, you're getting ready to go back on the mission field. Um, why don't you tell us where you're going?
4: Yes, so my original assignment was East Asia, but as we're still waiting for the borders to open, my team and I got rerouted to Thailand, and so that is where I'll be for the next year.
3: Okay, so what are you going to be doing in Thailand for the next year?
4: I will be working with college students and sharing the gospel with them. Actually, um, Thailand, Thailand is totally open to the gospel. There's more than 200 years of history of missionaries going to this place, but still only 1% of the people there believe and know Christ. And so I feel really in awe of what the Lord is doing in Thailand even now. I've heard reports of um, just a great, great spiritual openness that missionaries who've been there have never seen before. And so So many students uh, are trusting Christ. So many, in fact, that the Thai missionaries there have asked for more Christian workers. So I do feel really in awe that despite all these unexpected circumstances that the Lord has brought my team to Thailand. So
3: you'll actually be working on the college campus. You'll be studying Thai? Yes. You've already started?
4: A little bit. A little
3: bit. (laughs) Good. Okay. And... um, Okay, so when are you going to be leaving? I leave on August 13th. Okay, coming up here. Um, So we want to keep Michaela in our prayers. Uh, We want to pray for her right now. I just ask uh, for her cell group to come down and join us. And if anybody else wants to come down, if you feel... Let's just gather around her and let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for Michaela. Thank you for her willingness um, to just serve you and to go to the other side of the earth to do what you've called her to, Lord. It's been a, it's been a long road for her. I know she's been frustrated because she's been wanting to go for a long time. and um, You just changed her plans, but you're in control. You're sovereign. You're a sovereign God. And we trust that this is exactly where you would have her go. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that just like you filled the disciples on Pentecost and you used them in a mighty way, that you would use Michaela and her team in a mighty way to bring many Thai students into the kingdom of God. And we pray that Thailand would become a Christian country, um, that many, many believers would be there and your church would be strong in that place. We pray for her health, for her strength, for uh, her support, for everything that she needs to be able to do this work. Would you provide, Lord? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, guys. So that ends our service. Um, Remember, this is the first weekend of the month, so we're having our lunch outside. So uh, if you want to join us, if you brought something, we have the tents set up outside here. Or if you want to go rush out and get something and bring it back here, uh, we'll have a nice time of fellowship right outside in the parking lot here. God bless.